We were too nice. Stealing our time vault. Bragging about shit you didn't win. Hogging the microphone. Can't say mittens. Fucking isn't even going to be shopping for the family this weekend. Is going to take all the credit for it. Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 24. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host, the arena rector, Tom Smiley, and we're here to talk about the future of Legacy. I play arena for one week. I don't have a problem. It's under control. Where are you going with that? You don't don't have to bring that up. (laughs) Bro, you're grinding quests today, right? No, I wasn't. I actually, I got, I got... All of my weekly wins done yesterday, so oh, I, I didn't even log into Arena today. How many times did you get risk factored? None on Sunday. My friend and Patreon, Matt Brusso, got me with risk factor on Saturday when we were playing against each other. Sunday, I ignored his text messages and <laughs> <laughs> and did not play against him. <laughs> Awesome. He seems like a nice guy. We've uh, we've get, we're getting along famously on Facebook. Yeah, he is. He is outstanding. So we didn't have a lot going on tournament play, any any big legacy events or anything this week, but we did have a ton of news after the announcement, the organized play updates that Wizards made on uh, Thursday night that really sent ripples through every aspect of magic paper mtgo eternal formats arena you know everything everything was kind of the magic vix really spiked last week and we recorded a cast on friday night with a couple people pat from leaving a legacy and nate from eternal dirtles that we had some some issues with i guess uh well pat dropped off and the other audio I guess there were some issues. I think we're going to cover a lot of that stuff tonight, right? Yeah, it was trying to put the conversation together with what happened with the conversation was just kind of tough toward the end. I think we were both, I speak for for myself at least, kind of in that Friday night mood when we started recording. And toward the end, it got kind of messy. Oh, yeah, I've been at Rapscallions all day playing old school, so... I was trying to hold it together. I was drinking coffee during the podcast. Oh, jeez. When I tried doing the intro, we had to do like two or three takes of the intro because I kept just fumbling over my words. But Well, we did get to see you on Skype video break out your pop filter that you've been using that consisted of a clothes hanger and <laughs> pantyhose. And I felt like I felt like that was very MacGyverish. I'm proud of you. Yeah, it's two inches from my face right now. It's it's amazing. It works so well. And I still don't have to order anything from Amazon. So I keep my 25-year streak alive. You've never ordered anything from Amazon? Never. Are you going to buy a box of Ultimate Masters directly from Wizards of the Coast through <laughs> Amazon this Christmas season? If any of our listeners want to play Flip It or Rip It with me, I'll consider it. I just cracked a box. 
Why do you got to say things like that, man? I just, I opened all of the packs, and the packs of Eternal Masters, they're different than other packs. I feel like there must have been some shady store owner that was, like, opening packs and resealing them, because these are, like, a little bit bigger than regular booster packs, and I feel like they're supposed to be they're the tamper, tamper resistant. But I have a box topper in front of me right now that I've been waiting to open, and I'm going to open it right now, so I know we have notes, and it has nothing to do with me opening this ultimate box topper, but I'm going to cracky crack it right now. And this is gonna this is gonna set the tone for the rest of the podcast. We got Raging a bitter. Ripley. We got a bitter blossom. Oh, nice, man! Congrats. You know what? This is not the worst. This artwork is beautiful, and I I can live with this. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put this up on Twitter. We got a good one. A box topper, bitter blossom. Bro, did you see Tarmogoyf briefly slip below forty? I did. I saw that it was at like forty five. And I thought of you when I when I saw it. Yeah, there was some at 39, though. Oh, and then, okay. And then it popped off that bottom. So before we recorded, it was at 44. I checked. No one's going to have any idea what we're talking about, but we had like this little side bet on a reserveless cast on the final price of Tarmogoyf, January 15th. I saved that audio. We're, I was only going to break it out if Tarmogoyf was at the price that you predicted. Yeah. So. Thank you. Yeah, well, it's okay. You you put it out in public now, so now <laughs> so, people just need to know that it exists. So before we get into the meat and potatoes of this cast, I think we wanted to talk about the time ball, right? Yeah, the response from the community was absolutely overwhelming. The generosity of people either on Twitter in the New England Old School group or the Leaving a Legacy group was astronomical. We raised over $900 with the auction for the Time Vault. And there was a time where I was really worried that I made the wrong decision donating it to get raffled. Where at the beginning, I really thought, wow, I just should have sold this and donated the money. But the community came through and... I want to thank everybody who entered and wish you all good luck. Jerry and Pat will be pulling the winner tonight. And you'll be able to listen to the Leaving Legacy episode on Friday to find out who won. I feel like we got kind of shafted on that deal, but Jerry took care of dealing with all the finances. So so back when I was in sixth grade, we used to have this like weekly homework assignment where we had to like make a fake newspaper, like one page of a newspaper and just like basically write a paragraph about like world events, like, you know, five or six stories. And one week I forgot to do it. And we would like hand them to each other to like have each other like peer review our papers before handing them in. So the teacher was walking around like, you know, looking at us and I swiped one off my friend's desk and the teacher wrote like, Okay, yeah, Ian did his homework, and my friend Carlos got, like, a, a zero for not doing his homework because I just swiped his paper. And that was, like, a learning moment in my life. Like, that was a shitty thing to do. And I had, like, when I heard the story about Jerry and Pat are going to pull your time your time vault tonight, I, fe- I felt like it was the same kind of thing going on, right? Because, like, I, I don't think that they've raised any money for this thing. So I think we just basically shut them down, and they're stealing our homework now. That's that's exactly what happened. It was supposed to be a contest. 
until they realized that they were going to absolutely get smashed. And if you listened to their cast last week, they're like, well, I mean, it was on our Facebook page, so just this counts as our money, right? Oh, really? <laughs> no, Pat and Jerry. Not even it, close. It doesn't. And we still have bullets in the chamber, bro. We have, like, playmats. We, we have, like, too much shit to give away. We need We need to make sure that we get on this because Saturday or Sunday, this week we're going shopping, and Jerry won't be there. So, yeah, we, we smash them in the goal. We are – I'm fronting the money since we have to get this donation in by Friday. I'm fronting the uh, money from DJ's Counterspell map. So we're over 1000 at this point. Outstanding. Yeah, sick. Awesome. Everybody, thank you so much. This was amazing. Truly grateful to everybody who gave. In the old school group, uh, Leaving a Legacy, Twitter. It's fucking awesome, yeah. Can't say enough. So to switch gears a little bit from our amazing holiday fundraising to relentless capitalism... Our friend Wilson and James had an announcement this week that was kind of big. They're they're crowdfunding for ownership of Cardboard Live. Yeah, we're planning on having Wilson talk about it a little bit once he gets back from the Legacy Tournament that is running in China that he is on his way to. But we wanted to let everybody know that Wilson and James's company, Cardboard Live now has a fundraising site set up where you can purchase equity in the company. And Wilson has been super pumped about it. I'm sure that he and James would like to talk more, but we're going to leave a link to the video and the website and the cast notes for you guys to check out. If you have heard of Cardboard Live, and if you haven't, you should definitely check it out. So a couple weeks ago, we got a, a listener question that I actually didn't see in the email. And you told me about it after the cast that we'd missed the listener question. And I read it and I was like, God damn, this was a great question. I really wish that we were able to answer it on the air. And in between the time that we forgot to answer it and the time today, there was that huge announcement. And really, Corey Roth, we apologize for not answering this question sooner because it was incredibly time sensitive and it was really a great question. So do you want me to just read this out real quick? A uh, couple, the two paragraphs that are important, I guess. Yeah, go for it. Uh, so Corey Roth, Dear Dead Format, I guess you consider consider this a listener question of sorts, but on last week's cast, you made some comments regar regarding the unsteady future of Moto. You both seem to describe how you had no confidence whatsoever in the direction of the Digital Magic platform was headed. And you had sold large parts, if not all, of your online collections. Ironically, I find myself the opposite. I started buying into the legacy format and paper almost a year ago when I started listening to the redacted podcast and have slowly been building a collection online. Uh, he says he doesn't get to play much, but he, when he noticed that the uh, digital Eternal cards were dropping in price, rather than become alarmed, he decided that now is time to buy in. Similarly to how the best time to pick up certain stocks can be right after a crash. I acknowledge that I may just be a lemming headed for the cliff, but I guess I figured that it may be my only chance to get into digital legacy advantage on the cheap. 
part of me feels like Watsi can't just pull the plug on MTGO and leave thousands of people left holding the bag without somehow transferring their collections onto a new client or something to that effect. So yeah, great question, really. It was an outstanding question. And last week when I was editing and I noticed that we missed this, I almost did like my own response at the end of last week, but we decided to push it off until today. And then over the weekend, woo, fireworks over the weekend. Yeah, it really was. And sorry, there's a summation of the question. Uh, would you mind elaborating a little on why you feel as though MTGO has no long-term future or why you think that the downward spiral spiral will continue? If you could do this on the totally not a finance cast episode, that would be great. So yeah, we had, like you just said, the fireworks from this past week. Uh, it felt a little bit like, uh, getting getting the uh the pus out of the wound to me honestly like in retrospect when it was going down it was crazy just like watching mtg twitter watching everybody freak out you know card hoarder stops buying stuff i was playing a league at the time and i couldn't even sell my chest when i got done with the league so it was uh it was crazy the the index on goldfish for the online legacy dropped i believe over 20 percent just overnight so it was it was the apocalypse that we'd sort of been been fearing and why I sold most of my collection back in September and the last dregs of it a few weeks ago. And it was brought upon by a number of factors. One, the Channel Fireball article, and two, the Wizards announcement of the $10 million esports series, which is kind of misleading if you just read the headline. It's not. That $10 million includes all of the paper... I'm sorry. All of the tabletop <laughs> prizes that they were previously paying already. And it does contribute a few million more to the arena client's prize structure and sort of rebranding everything and tying it together. Now... Instead of Grand Prix and Pro Tours, we have Magic Fests and Mythic Championships. And I'm not I'm not really sure if the name matters, but the idea that they're branding everything under this and really trying to make that push for Arena drove a lot of people to question whether or not MTGO was still going to be something that they committed to. Now, but let's be honest, right? MTGO has been garbage for the last 15 years and they have been quote unquote committed to it. So I don't, I don't think we can really expect wizards to invest any more in this client. Oh, I absolutely would not expect that. No, but I, I don't think that legacy online is dead. I think that there's one huge shoot that still needs to drop and that's the, the value of playing in leagues, right? So this past week, when the markets crashed, uh, what I was telling people, because a few people sent me messages asking what they thought, some people who hadn't sold their collections yet, and some people who were just interested in getting into Legacy, which was actually something really cool that we've seen this past week. People who were priced out of Moto in the past were like, hey, I can buy an Elves deck for like $175 right now. I could buy Ant for like $250. Should I get in now? And my advice was, yeah, I think this is a good time to get in. 
the only problem is the value of leagues, right? Because the value of leagues ever for the past two years now, over two years probably, the value of leagues has been tied to the index overall because we're getting paid out not in boosters of the most recent set, but now we're getting paid out in treasure chests. So it's in cards from our own collection. And if the value of those is low, then you're basically, if the price of, of chess goes down to like the $1, sub $1 range, it's really, it's going to cost quite a few dollars per league you play on average. Well, it depends on, it depends on how you do, because if you go three and two or better, you're gaining your entry fee back. And I think that's how most people play. They look at performing poorly as sort of a tax on how much it costs you to play. But Wizards realize that that structure isn't what they want to be doing to monetize a client, right? The arena model completely changes that. It's almost impossible to go infinite. Or it is extremely difficult to go infinite. And your margins above the buy-in for going... 7-0 in a sealed or 5-0 in a draft are much smaller than what they were on MTGO. And the whole idea of them paying out prizes in chests, I think, I think is still fine. It's, it's just not the model that they're going to be using going forward. Well, we're talking about two different things right now. I'm talking about the future of MTGO. Yeah, they're not going to change anything. I think that they're they're gonna have to change something. They don't. If people are people are gonna still play, you go three two four one or five zero. Oh, you are you are getting an extra league and you're getting something, right? Like if if you think that a ton of people are playing leagues for the prize value, I, I think you're wrong. It's not about the prize value. It's about the the ability to play. So yeah, okay. If you go three two every league and chests are worth $1, you're going to make $1 a league. And that's fine, but necessarily for every person who goes 3-2, there's going to be someone who goes 2-3 in a league. And even if you're an above-average player, if you're going 3-2-3-2-3-2-2-3, you're going to be paying like $4 a league at that point. Which I, I think that's completely fine. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I, I just don't think that people are going to still play that, you know, at such a sunk. I, I think that basically what needs to happen is more play points need to go in the chest to fix the situation rather than cards. Because I think that the cards are going to continue to deflate as people leave MTGO. We're not going to get new players into MTGO. So if you keep upping the supply of Rashad and Ports and True Name Nemesis and Days and whatever cards are expensive – if all that ever happens is those continue to deflate, then eventually the chests are going to be worthless and we're only going to be playing to be able to play again at $12 a pop. And that's just that's just not sustainable. So I, I think the sort of profitability or sustainability of Modo is just based off of the fact that you can play competitive legacy. And most of the people that are in those leagues are not in there because of the cost of the league. They're in there to play more legacy. And regardless of what the prizes are, those people are still going to end up playing. So I, I feel like people I feel like are... That's, still... that's a totally anti-market argument, though. Okay. 
Like, whatever. We disagree. I, I think that if you look at the motivations for people who play Magic Online, it's most, most likely either they want to play in the challenges and do well so they play leagues to get ready, or they have a paper event that's coming up and they want to test. Agreed. So people people playing less magic online when the sort of money associated with is kind of irrelevant if you are somebody who's trying to prepare for paper you're not worried about paying four dollars for a league to test for a grand prix i think that if you're testing for a grand prix absolutely four dollars a league is a bargain but that's not the reality. We have one Grand Prix in North America in 2019. That's You're talking about like three weeks out of the year. Okay, so or a Star City or uh, a paper event that you have coming up. Like, that's it, to me, that's the reason why most people play Moto Legacy. I think that that's the, mo- the reason that most people traditionally have played Moto Legacy. But I think that we're, we're moving to a time where it's more of a niche thing. And ultimately, it's going to be... As the value of the chest continues to go down, I think that it, we're going to have to make that up in other ways, whether that's more redemption sets in the chest, more play points in the chest. I think that that there, there's a risk of serious flight from the format of of uh, of leagues, basically, if the if the chest prices keep going down. Yeah, like we we talked about this on a few of our other casts. Wizards doesn't care. They they want you to go play arena. They do care because they rake on the leagues. If if like I'm I'm never gonna play arena. That's just not gonna happen. So they can still rake, you know, a do- let's say it's a dollar a night from me or whatever, and that there's you know a thousand of me. I don't know. Especially with modern, more so than legacy, really. I think that we're we're kind of riding the coattails of modern in this regard. Because I think that the, that audience is about twice as large on Moto. And I think most of those people are going to go play arena. That's definitely true. I think that a good a good deal of those people probably will go play arena. But then there's vintage too. But yeah, and and you have ten minute queue times for vintage. I'm I'm way more worried about queue time, the queue time being increased because of less players due to people leaving Moto than I am about the card prices. Yeah, that's true too. And I've seen actually anecdotally, I've seen two of the worst Q times. I've I've seen two Q times over six minutes uh, playing during like normal U.S. hours uh, the past two days. But as far as like the number of people in leagues, it actually had been between 400 and 500 for weeks now, and it's actually at 525 right now, which I think is those people buying into the format. Those, those people who noticed that cars were cheap and are actually trying out Moto for the first time now, which is actually kind of encouraging. I didn't expect that number to go up, especially in light of all the doom and gloom and the, the market panics people selling their collections. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, well, I think that if you were somebody who sold your collection over the weekend, you probably made a big mistake because it's just never the right time to sell when people are panicking. Right. And it the whole situation definitely brought about awareness of what's going on with magic online prices to where you might have saw some people go and buy in with dollar fetch lands or whatever the buy prices were over the weekend 
Yeah, it seems like that's what happened because I can't think of any other reason that more people will be playing this week than last week. We were coming off of a Grand Prix, so you'd think that the league numbers would actually be going down after well, Shizuoka. This is the first week of the previously announced program to be able to qualify for the Mythic Championships through Magic Online. Oh, yeah? So the challenge this weekend was the first one that provided format qualifying points and the leagues this week were were giving out format qualifying points as well i'm not sure if that's the correct term but this was the first week that that opened up on magic online well let me log in because i i probably have some of those then i don't even pay attention to that shit but that's pretty cool i didn't realize that yeah so wizards i guess this week is putting out an article about how they are still committed to to MTGO and how these new programs put in place are going to keep people playing it. And they had released a sort of diagram of their clients and what players, uh, what competition level they sort of equated to. They sort of made it clear that Magic Online was for the 100% more advanced or people who had been playing much longer. There's going to be a spot for MTGO, but I, I don't think that we can expect Ma Wizards to put too much extra effort into this client when they have their new baby to take care of. Yeah, I agree completely. I think that this is sort of just them keeping it alive long enough because it's still profitable for them to for it to be alive like you're not gonna just say oh no we don't want your money you're gonna just let it go off into the sunset while you're still raking so did we answer this question at all <laughs> i forget so okay basically he wanted to know why we thought that the economy is going to spiral down and I think we we have answered that. Like the treasure chests for the past couple of years, they've they've been a lot like the master sets in paper. They're just paying you out with your own collection, right? So they're deflating the value of the cards in the economy. And if you don't have player growth equal to the rate at which the cards are coming in, you're either going to see the spreads widen and the vendor inventories deepen, or you're going to see the cards start to deflate. And I think we've seen actually all of that happen. But there were there were no good indicators and there was there was really no impetus for people to start playing legacy online like there's no there's no big paper events they're not throwing any weight behind you know paper legacy grand prix or something there's no star city you know weekly legacy anymore and that's that's a lot of the impetus for people to be playing legacy online also i i, I kind of disagree Obviously, like there have been less Grand Prix and Star City has supported the format a little bit less, but the rising cost of paper legacy cards and the actual availability of some of these cards online, I know have caused a few people who wanted to start to get into legacy start online because it was a lot cheaper, even before the crash. So that's with regard to what? New players entering MTGO. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I guess that's sort of adjacent to this because that, that's got nothing to do with what Wizards is doing, right? Like, th that's sort of like, uh, I guess it does in, in, like, in regard to the reserve list if we want to go there again. Yeah, you said, you said that they're 
you couldn't think about an impetus for a new player to get into Legacy Online. Oh, gotcha. That's why I brought yeah I brought that that up. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, if you wanted to get into Legacy, but you were priced out of the paper format, then yeah, it's a good time to get in. And it actually sounds like that's what this question kind of is asking, right? This Corey Roth dude. Wait, is this the dude who was talking about Downton Abbey? Yeah, it was. Fucking knew it. Ha <laughs> ha. They're making a movie. <laughs> Congratulations, man. I'm I'm probably not going to go see it. I'll wait for it to come out because I don't think that I can walk into a movie theater and shamelessly. Actually, I talk about it on the podcast that I love the show. Why can't I walk into a movie theater? Never mind. I'm going to see it. I hope Alyssa gets you tickets for Valentine's Day to go see it. I need to get her a Christmas present. <laughs> yeah. I, so this is completely off topic, but uh, I asked her, like, what do you want for Christmas? And she looked at me with a scowl and she goes, I already told you. You never listen to me. And, like, apparently she tells me things that I just don't pay attention to. Now she won't tell me. I've asked her three times what she wanted for Christmas, and she just gives me this dirty look each time. So yesterday she asked me what I wanted for Christmas, and I just looked at her, and I was like, I already told you, and walked away, when I definitely haven't. (laughs) See, bro, that's why you need to be streaming. Because if you were streaming, then you could just go back on your arena broadcast and watch it. And find out, you know, fast forward to the part where she walks in and play back what she says. That's a good idea. Yeah. I still I don't think that this. I can I don't think that I can stream Arena. I'm gonna be firing up Magic Online this weekend. Did you do you uh do you have plans to stream it? Yeah. We don't have so we don't have the overlay yet, so I'm just gonna do the most ghetto job possible in setting up obs so there's the video like the screen my chat and my webcam so it will be it will be low tech but it will be on this weekend sweet i uh didn't i wasn't able to play in the challenge this week because i had a christmas party to go to at 5 30 on sunday so we had our buddy tom cairns teabag tom uh he streamed it for me i skyped in with him and uh got to watch like five rounds of his bug deck go through the challenge so that was pretty cool uh the streaming experience one thing that's hilarious is he always tells me that people uh people will message him like in the mtgo chat and ask if he's from the dead format or like ask if he's ian from the dead format when he's playing like the bug deck or the rug deck which i think is awesome but uh, nobody has ever asked me that. So I was like, I wonder what, you know, is this kid lying to me? I don't think so. But when I watched him stream, I realized real quick, he types GLHF when the matches start in the chat window, which is something that I've absolutely never done. Good luck, have fun. I do that too. Yeah, I, I don't do that. So people, when when they see the GLHF in Moto Chat, they know that you are probably a reasonable person that you feel comfortable communicating with, right? Like you log into Moto and you get those opponents that just don't say anything. Yeah. Like they don't respond to your, your good luck, have fun or anything. And one, you question like where they're from. Like maybe, uh, maybe they speak a different language and uh, they're not going to be able to get back to you or two. Maybe they're just in that 
salt mine already <laughs> and you want to leave you want to leave things alone yeah one of one of my favorite my favorite things to do when i'm playing magic online is actually get into it with the people that are salty oh dude i love it it's it's the best when they're like oh it must be it must be so 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 awesome to be so lucky scrub and you're like yeah it is. It feels great. <laughs> it's I way live, better than losing. <laughs> I live for those opportunities, man, where you can just rip their game apart. Those are the absolute best. And then the, the unfortunate thing that happens a lot is then you get the 10-minute timeout. From, yeah, from that, that is unfortunate. So once in a while, I do restrain myself, but usually I just tear them to fucking shreds, and it's like the highlight of my week. Yep. I, I had one match where I think it was Cube. No, it wasn't Cube. It was... It, I was playing something, and my opponent was ripping me to shreds about how they were low on mana, and if they had more, that I was just dead. And in a last-ditch effort to prevent myself from dying, I pithing needled their Noble Hierarch, which you can definitely do on Magic Online. Yeah, you can do it in paper, too. it definitely doesn't work. Right. And... My opponent was ripping ripping on me because they didn't have enough mana to cast their spells. <laughs> and I I politely let them know that they could have used their noble hierarchs for the last few turns, but they they were unaware that uh Pithing Needle didn't stop them. And they they did not appreciate me giving them that tip. That's awesome, man. So yeah, I, I actually witnessed this happening now. Teabag Tom getting asked if he's from the dead format. So I gave him permission to say that he is Tom from the dead format until uh, you log on to MTGO. Then he has to abdicate that title. I'm online right now. All right. Well, as soon as you play a league, then he's no longer Tom from the dead format. You can regain the throne. Now, he needs to be you. He's he's your brand, right? He's my brand? Yeah, you say he was playing a Noble Hierarch rug deck, right? You know what? He is my brand. I, I like Tom a lot. He's uh he lives up in the Canadian wilderness. He's uh he's an adventurer and a farmer. And I am a big fan. So yeah, he's my brand. I like him too, but you guys talk about decks every day. Yeah. He if he's gonna impersonate anybody, it should be you. That's all I'm saying. That's that's uh, just that's so Tom, you can now be Ian from the Dead format. It's Ian, I A N, not Ian. Depending. So yeah, Tom, it, it was pretty cool actually. He tried out the Noble Rug deck this week. To I think mixed results. He's a fr he will not play uh, Hooting Mandrills, which is frustrating. He insists on playing Tarmogoyf, which I think is is costing him wins. But you know, to each their own. But I think he he's like the deck, and yeah, I've played his bug deck a certain amount now. Uh, I I've done really well. The last uh, three leagues now I've played have been with the rug deck, and the worst result I've had is three two. So I'm I'm sticking with it for now. I'm really enjoying it. I played that uh, mono blue wizards deck. I guess after we recorded last time, the next day we had the idea to play. Uh, a tundra in there and meddling mage like three meddling mage in the board and that was actually really good that that helped uh protect against terminus because i remember we were talking last week about how like terminus is a problem for the deck and supreme verdict mm -hmm. and meddling mage is like the perfect card i don't know i wish i had thought of it sooner because you have caverns you have vials 
And then if you're going to play fetch lands already, like one Tundra, you have like 15 ways to get a fucking meddling mage into play. It's, it's trivial, you know? Yep. So that was awesome, but I never did better than 3-2 with that deck. Uh, through, okay. Through all the leagues I played, so I just gave up on it. Yeah, I I wasn't looking to play it because I felt like it would be something that would it would be consistent. It just looked fun to play. Yeah, for sure. And it was. It definitely was. I'm not going to say it wasn't fun to play, but it it really really was like super tempo, where you miss a land drop, the game is over. You know that that's the deck basically. Yep. I think I had said I, I would definitely be getting behind playing some extra land, but I like the idea of what they had going on. Yeah, definitely. It was really cool. And we're kind of seeing it too in the challenge this week. The 18th place deck was sort of a take on that, that mono blue Delver Popper deck. It was actually like a blue red Delver Popper deck. Did you see this? Oh, I didn't know that it had. Oh, yes, I do. Yeah, I was about to say I don't remember it having red. And then I remember looking through the list and seeing that it had two scred. Bro, thinking, stop, 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 Thinking stop, stop. that that... Stop. There's got to be something better than that. Tom, like, cha- what? Are you recording? Yeah. With MP3 Skype recorder? Yeah. Okay, because my audacity just fucking crashed. No! I thought you were telling me to, like, not talk about scred. No, no, no. Because I... we don't want... We don't want our listeners to have to look up what that card does and think it's legacy playable. No, I have a fucking pinwheel, dude. I, I just accidentally clicked on uh, Open Firefox and Audacity immediately crashed. Every goddamn time. I, I need to just like move this thing far away so I can't touch it. So, yeah, the, the deck, as soon as I was scrolling through and I saw it, I was like, oh, it's this person's deck. And then I saw that it had a search for Excanta and I was like, all right, it's not all commons. And this deck had Force of Will, which was great. I saw the Red Splash for Bolt. But those two Scred, I feel like, could be pretty much anything else. Yeah, dude, that was really strange, I thought. So there... I'm not sure what the reason is. But there are seven snow-covered lands. And I felt like this deck probably isn't playing a ton of land probably doesn't have a ton of land in play and if you have one volcanic island then that just makes your scred kind of bad so uh at best at best i feel like it's just another bolt that can't hit a creature can't hit right? a player yeah 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 that cannot hit a player you're right yeah it's it was really strange i feel like that's got to be a pauper thing, right? Like this person probably came from pauper, similar to our friend Vincent, and Scred. I, I I'm almost positive that Scred is a thing in pauper, so it's probably just an adaptation. The person might not have been like familiar with. I don't know which card you replace that with necessarily. Like maybe like a braid. Yo, isn't chain lightning a pauper? Isn't chain lightning a common? It is, yeah. Okay. But there's probably something in the Popper metagame that has, like, four toughness. I don't know. There's got to be a reason for it, right? I got you. I, I really don't know what it is, but... You know what? I googled I googled Scred Popper, and the first article that pops up is from Eric Froelich, and it's talking about the creature suite, which is Delver, Ninja of the Deep Hours, Fairy Miscreant, and Spellstarter Sprite. Awesome. <laughs> so, so it is... It, you were right, it is probably a straight port 
of a blue-red popper deck with a few extra cards thrown in. Yeah, and that's just not right for the, the metagame, right? Because I can't imagine that they're expecting to kill anglers with that. And then why would they even care? Because they all have all flying creatures anyway. Well, this person finished with the best tiebreakers of the four threes in the challenge. Yep. So Magic player, 1151. We should shout them out. Nice job. Nice job playing a popper deck and uh, going for two. That's what happens when the price of Force of Will drops. You can pick them up online, play a popper deck in the challenge. Bro, that's probably what happened, to be honest. That, that's awesome. We're seeing this in real time. All right, so what else do we got in the challenge? Bob Bob finished the Swiss undefeated with Hexsteps, which saw two copies in the top eight. Yeah, we had uh, Reed playing Elves, too, which is pretty cool. I haven't seen Reed in the Legacy Challenge in a while, but now that you mentioned that that's how you qualify for like the, the format-specific championships, that kind of makes a lot more sense now, because I was like, what's he doing playing in the Legacy Challenge right now? Yes, like... Like, Reed Duke needs that alternate path to the pro... No, I'm sorry. To the Mythic Championships. I mean, there's got to be some other equity in the tournament, right? Well, not if treasure chests aren't worth anything. <laughs> he, pre he, pro he probably just wanted to play Legacy, like we all do, right? Yeah, like, it's, yeah, it's fun. Possible. He's definitely played it before. It's not like this is totally unheard of or something, but... Right. I mean, I, I would be more likely to think that he just he wanted to play in the challenge because he wanted to play legacy yeah that's fair so the rest of the top eight was a uh, grixis control a true like candelabra post deck not like an aldrazi big stompy post deck a depths and a slow depths which was bob wong uh blue red uh an aldrazi stompy and then a crazy maverick build in eighth that had three explorations which i thought was awesome Third place post list is definitely not the sort of traditional build that you would think of when you think of 12 post. There's no green splash. It's playing more mana rocks and has multiple Trinospheres main just sort of going much higher than the um, than the green version. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a chalice deck. I lost this deck in Louisville. This deck is a bitch to play against sometimes. When they nut draw, they're pretty damn close to unstoppable. Now, I have I have a question that I want to ask you that I think I know the answer to, but I want to see what your reaction is. So, the seventh place Eldrazi Stompy list. Millennium nine 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 nine. Yes, has two Eldrazi Mimic and two Ratchet Bomb in the main deck. Now, usually there's no Ratchet Bomb. And for Mimic, what do you think the Ratchet Bomb is there for in the main deck? It's got to be to catch up against Wands, right? So it's uh, weird. So they don't have. So this deck doesn't have any Grim Monoliths or anything. So it can get you out of like a Blood Moon situation because they're not leaning into the ways that you normally would get out of it. But what, what were you thinking? I was thinking that it was a direct response to Blood Moon and um and Ensnaring Bridge. It's just so, the, it's so slow, though, to get out of Blood Moon. I know, but literally the only thing that I can think of that would make me want to put Ratchet Bomb in the main deck is being scared of multiple Blood Moon decks, which I was going to sort of make that commentary. If you, if you play a deck like Eldrazi 
regardless of whether or not you have Ratchet Bomb in your main deck, you're probably just scooping the Blood Moon and the Snaring Bridge. So it might not be might not be the best to have them in there because you're yeah. losing equity against other things. I I don't I don't think that we're sort of in a field right now where you're expecting to be catching up against one drops, right? Like you're a chalice deck too. So that that must have something you, you, you must expect your chalices to catch multiple ones. I just I don't so this deck has this deck has no dismembers in the main or sideboard, has one walking ballista in the main and none in the sideboard, and nothing nothing like warping whale or spatial contortion or anything like that. So if your opponent goes turn one Delver, turn two, you know Delver Swift Spear or something like that, basically the only way that you're you're getting out of that game alive is is with something like a Ratchet Bomb, right? Or or the Jit like. Dismember probably isn't saving you in that situation anyway, because if they have multiple Delvers, right, yeah. you're you're just gonna end up eating it. And I mean, I just I I don't I don't get it unless it's a response to Blood Moon. Yeah, I just think the two Grim Monoliths there would be so much better than a Ratchet Bomb for making okay. like colorless mana. Like that's like typically the way that you get out of Blood Moon, and why I, I didn't think, going back to why I owe you $20, I didn't think that that dude was playing Oblivion Sower as a response to Blood Moon, because he was playing Monoliths and Waste, so he had, like, six main deck ways to cast through a Blood Moon anyway. But uh, he did, so we got a response, you got a response, from the dude who happened to be a Haruya pro, so I got blown out. And uh, he mentioned Blood Moon in his first sentence, right? Uh, he did. I forgot about that. That was that was only a week ago. That was only six days ago. I Five. was so pumped when I found his Twitter. What's his and, name now? Uh, hold on, I need to go back and look at it. But I was I was at school using Google Translate to translate my question into Japanese, and then he just response in english because that made me made me feel really strange because i i probably actually it's probably right to ask in japanese first right that's that's yeah that's respectful i'd say okay i have to scroll back through all of our twitter things man we're really we're really active on twitter whoever takes care of that needs a raise teruya kakume so thank you Teruya, I'm twenty dollars richer now because of you. Yeah, he was very cool. It seems like he uh he was happy to interact with the fan, as you predicted. I don't know why I just assumed that this was like some I, I had like a, my picture in my mind was like a Japanese high school student who spent all his time like studying for the SATs or whatever the equivalent is over there and like just went to like legacy like once or twice a week and had no interaction on Twitter or anything like that. And of course, it's literally the exact opposite of that. Yeah, it was. It was pretty easy. <laughs> <laughs> it probably took you all like two minutes to get a response on that. It, so. it was. It was about half an hour from me originally searching to translating the question to getting a response. <laughs> That's excellent, man. God, Twitter's so awesome when the Patriots lose. Dude, why you gotta bring that up? I'm just scrolling. Why you gotta bring that up? These these gifts of fucking Rob Gronkowski (sighs) pretending he can play safety. 
How yeah. are the Jets? How are the Jets doing? We can't talk too much about football, man. We're a Jets magic had a podcast. Great game, bro. I the season. The season, yeah, it's it's a learning season. You guys learning a lot the last ten years. All right. Anyway, we're not talking about football. I'm I'm still angry. Word. All right. Anyway, back to magic. Do we have to go back to magic? We do. We have listeners that don't give a shit about football. I suppose. I, I guess we have Japanese listeners, right? 17 of them. It's not 17, bro. I'm telling you, we had one of our Japanese fans tweeted us saying, I am one of the Japanese listeners. I didn't see that. Oh, I did see that. I'm sorry. I did see that. So in the leagues this week, there were two decks that I, I saw that were like super interesting to me. Was it a show and tell deck? <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I felt like I was going to the zoo, honestly. I just love seeing the apes. I was about to make a joke. Yeah, it definitely wasn't a show and tell deck. <laughs> dude, I, I don't get it. I got I lost uh, to a show and tell last night. So I'm salty. It, show and tell players, I have nothing against you. Yeah, I don't I absolutely don't either. Like it's good, but it's not it's not quite the spice that we're looking for. <laughs> so actually my last loss last night was to the one and only Osman Osguni. Why what, what was he playing? Uh he was playing uh Grix's control deck that uh he just piloted really well. He's a good player, honestly. And my record with Rug had been like six and zero against that deck, and I took a decisive two zero loss to him. But he ended up on this uh, on this league's five zero last week with a dead guy ale black white deck that is very similar to the deck that my friend Ben Brandt had been playing a couple weeks ago when I uh, streamed a league with him, and one one of the cards in his main deck is Kaya Ghost Assassin. That was in both main decks now. That was in Ben's deck and Osman's deck. And that was a card that I was constantly telling Ben to take out of his deck, to put in Gideon, uh, four-drop Gideon, Battle for Zendikar Gideon. Mm -hmm. And then when we actually played the league, I was like, okay, never mind. This card is actually worth playing in this deck. Because I just thought it was like an overcosted displacer. But it's not. It, it's way more versatile than that. It, it really fits like a glove in this deck. And uh, other than that, the list is, is actually very similar to what Ben was playing. So that's encouraging. He has one Palace Jailer main, where I believe Ben had two Thalias. But other than that, uh, really sick list. There's three Stoneforges, four Dark Confidants, a Palace Jailer, three Lily of the Veil, two Last Hopes, and a Kaya. Council's Judgment, three Hymns, three Inquisitions, two Lingering Souls, three Thought Seizes, and a Vindicate. And then one Chrome Mox. Actually, Ben was playing two Chrome Moxes in his main. I thought that this list had three Chrome Mox. I'm sorry, yep. I, I missed that out of the corner of my eye. You're right. So this deck actually had one extra Chrome Mox versus what Ben was playing. Yeah, the there was a high amount of Vindicate in these 5-0 lists because the other list that you wanted to talk about was the Esper Stoneblade list as well, right? I was actually thinking to myself, is uh, Animatu online yet? Because I haven't been checking. But there was that list that we talked about like 15 episodes ago, like an Esper, like uh, a deck with that 
Animatu, the Planeswalker from the Commander decks. Yep, you were you were trying to. Uh, never mind. Uh, we don't need to go into it. You were trying to make it work. Yeah, I, I'd sleeved it up, and I'd never actually played it in paper. Not even test games. Nothing. Uh, and the card wasn't available online, so I never tried it online either. But I I hadn't really been thinking about Esper lately. I've been spending most of my time thinking about things in the bug color pie, blue red. Uh, not Esper, but this deck, this five O list with Esper. This is a uh, this is interesting, man. Three Snapcasters, three Stoneforges, two Strixen, uh, one Click, and two True Names, and then four Planeswalkers. There's uh, two Jace, one Gideon, and one Lily Last Hope in the main. Uh, this is Ziggy Stardust, by the way, 5-0 list. And then uh, one Bitter Blossom, too. And then, like, the typical spell suite you'd expect, like, uh, actually, uh, no Ponders. Ponder, Ponders a Conjuro. Oh, fuck. I, dude, why is it in Spanish? Because fucking Conjuro is way better than Sorcery. God, fucking hate when that happens. Instantaneo, senor. Yep, Instantaneo blowout. So, yeah, four ponders. Okay, that makes more sense. I was very confused for a second. I like that they don't break apart Planeswalker, so when you're looking at it, it's like, all right, this is in English because you see Planeswalker, and then everything else sort of gets filtered out. Yep. Yeah, that was crazy. But this this list has a lot of one ofs. You got one spell pierce, one snare, one thought sees, one vindicate, one inquisition, one bitter blossom. But uh, this list obviously five would I'm not sure. I, I mean, how good do you think this is, or do you think this person just played it twenty times and eventually five would I mean, I'm probably leaning more towards that. I like the planeswalker package. This deck against a bunch of mid range seems great. Right, if you're if you're playing mid range mirrors or you're playing against something like Delver, then you have great removal with Snapcaster Mages and Strix. You can go over them pretty easily, and you have ways to answer a bunch. I don't I don't know how much I'd like this if I was playing against linear combo all the time, but your sideboard is adaptable and you have answers. To me, this is like that true, that true like 50% deck where you're never going to show up and just know that you are going to roll your opponent. Yeah. It, it It's a fair enough deck where you have enough lines of interaction where you can reasonably beat everything, but it's, it's win percentage is just sort of in that in that 50% range, no matter what your matchup is. What kills me about this deck, though, one thing that, that kind of bothers me is there's this move with Grixis. Like, uh, that dude Strifo and Clash are playing, uh, like, Grove of, Fire. Yeah, Grove of the Burn Willows Grixis, and I feel like that would out mid-range trump this deck. Well, this has Wasteland. It has two Wasteland, yeah. You can break it up. Yeah. And only two Stoneforge. See, I feel like I would, just like every deck I build, right? I want four Wastelands and, and three or four true names. I think it's got three. It's got two true names, but... Oh, sorry. I thought you said it only has two Stoneforges. I'm yes, sorry. it only, it only has two true names. Yep. But yeah, other than that, I do like the look of this deck. I'm definitely going to take it for a spin this week. It's got It's got good cards, but like... I don't feel like this list is any different than 
like an Esper Stoneblade list of not two, at all. No, I, two years ago, I would feel more like I was taking the temperature of the format because I I used to play this deck like I would alternate this deck in pretty much like once every one to two months when I was playing a lot in paper. Yep. Just to like see how it was, you know, and decide after I'd played it that I was better off playing something like Bant. But I would just, you know, just see how it was because I had the cards to play it. And uh, I feel like that I haven't seen a list like this in quite a while. Uh, I don't know if that card Animatsu is online or not, but I would I just want to see, you know, how this does, how this feels. You have like access to like all the best sideboard cards. That's what's so great about playing these colors. You have access to the best sideboard cards and you can find them. That is absolutely true. That's what's so cool about Asper. So I didn't see too much else in the 5-0 list that was like worth talking about. There was a Steel Stompy list that Max was playing that is just sort of standard. I think the Karn, the 4-drop Karn in the main deck has just sort of been adopted and that's there to stay. There is a blue-red deck that's similar to sort of what we talked about early in our cast that is playing three True Name and three Young Pyromancer. Oh, I did see that. Just sort of a more... uh, Sort of a blue-red Delver deck that focuses more on your higher curve creatures. So... That was interesting to see. There's not there's not too much else to talk about, right? Yeah, that was uh, Morel Macarnacy. Uh, one card that I love is the one set adrift. This is a card that I used to beg Pat to play as a one of in Blue Red Delver when you're not using the graveyard at all in your main deck. Because like, why not, right? Like, I mean, wouldn't you just rather have that be? I mean, I would probably rather have it be a Vapor Snag. So it's an out to Chalice is the big reason why I like that over Vapor Snag as a one-off. But this deck is a little bit more resilient toward Chalice with your Snap and True Name and Pyros, right? Not really. I mean, if somebody goes on the play like Ancient Tomb, Chalice, I don't think a Snapcaster is getting you out of that. Okay, then the true names in the Young Pyros. I apologize for including the one Snapcaster Mage there. No, I know, but I'm saying like three true names and three Young Pyromancers by themselves aren't going to beat like an Eldrazi deck, right? Like you don't have like an Abrade main deck or something. Like we've seen Crater Maker in this role kind of recently, or sometimes they're playing like one Abrade. And I feel like that's what the set of Drift is taking the place of. Okay. I mean, I, I think this card's trash. Why? Because in that situation that you were talking about, as an out to Chalice, you're probably burning through your one drops to get to your five cards in the graveyard to cast this, and you're probably dead anyway. Yeah, right? most likely, right? Like a, a first turn Chalice for sure. It, it can get rid of Counterbalance too, which is a card that you're kind of, you know, wanting to get rid of. Yeah, I just, I feel like the fact that it's sorcery. That's a huge and... downside, yeah. Yeah, and that uh, Vapor Snag positively interacts with your tempo plan and is much better against Merit Lage yep. that I 100% would play a Vapor Snag over the set of Drift. But I can see how this could be more flexible. I just I don't think that it's better than Vapor Snag. 
It's probably not. It's probably too cute. But it is a card that once Treasure Cruise got banned, it was like, okay, what's left, you know? And dig through time. First of all, <laughs> dig dig through time was left. I would certainly be playing Reveler anyway, and not delving. So that's why I haven't thought about Set Adrift in a long time. But yeah, it's hard. It's hard to play Reveler in a deck that has so many counter spells, right? And two Grim Lavamancer main too. That's a good card. It is a good card, man. I, I feel like that card doesn't get played in main decks enough. It is great if you expect to see a bunch of fair stuff. So one thing I haven't seen a lot of... Oh, dude. I uh, I rented uh, Ant deck. I just took, actually, Cyrus's list from Eternal Weekend. Yep. I rented it on Mana Traders on, like, I don't know, Wednesday or something uh, to play a league. Actually, I'd asked our, our buddy uh, Sujitime for his Doom Frenzy list, and he didn't send it. So I was, like, in the mood to play combo. And I rented that list, and I was like, let me just solitaire for a for a minute uh, before I jump in on a league, right? And I ended up solitaring for over an hour with, with that deck because I kept seeing these lines when I was playing like that involved like kind of atypical stuff like thought seizing. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to explain. Like, all, there was a ton of lines, but like... Uh, yeah, there there are definitely a ton of lines when you're not playing against an opponent and you cast thought seize, and you have to think about what everybody's hand could be. No, I didn't want to say thought seizing myself in case it doesn't work outside of solitaire. Because you can't, like, duress yourself. That's right. Okay, anyway, you you were solitaring with that deck. So I, the first game I played involved a line where I had to thought seize myself to get hellbent on, like, a pass in flames. And... I was just like, okay, I took like three minutes to think about this. There's no way I want to do this to someone else I'm playing against in a league. So let me get more comfortable with this. And every like two or three solitaires, I would see some crazy line that like would have taken me a couple minutes to figure out. And I just never felt comfortable enough to jump in. So I ended up pussing out and not playing it. Oh, I played I played it for a while online. I tried to jump in leagues and play as much Ant as I could. And most of the games felt fine. I felt like I knew the basic lines, but I would get distraught when I would probe my opponent and then see those fluster, fluster, force, pierce hands and just know that the game was probably just not going to go very great for me from that point on. So that's one of the reasons why I have not played as much Ant as I used to play. Yeah, without thought, without Cataxian Probe, it seems like the training wheels are truly off, right? Like, you have to have... A lot of it is feel, right? Like, that sort of... Uh, I've I've played against Death and Taxes ten times with this deck. Like, I, I don't have to actively think about which cards they could have that could punish me here, right? And I would, I would absolutely be using all of my clock if I played it. So I didn't want to do that to my opponents. You're too nice. Like, you don't have to sit across from your opponent face-to-face online. So I feel like a lot of people use MTGO as training wheels for the deck because it allows you to practice without looking your opponent in the eye. (laughs) Bro, I don't think I'm... You let Jerry steal your time, Vol. I don't think I'm too nice. 
fuck, you're right. <laughs> so, with regard to the future of Legacy, I feel like we should loop back on this. Where do you see Legacy online and in paper two years from now? Online almost the same as it is now i feel like wizards is probably going to drop that format championship path to the mythic championship from from online but i think that we're going to see league sizes in the 400s and i think the challenges are still going to be well represented i don't see wizards adding any eternal support to arena so i feel like those sort of diehards are going to be staying around magic online I think in paper, we are going to see less Grand Prix over time, probably dropping like one every few years until we hit the point where Legacy is mostly focused or mostly featured in the Eternal Weekend type events, the Bazaar of Moxon, the occasional Star City. But I think it's been trending that way for a while. I agree completely with with most of what you're saying. There is, I think, one small thing is the the new format that is coming on Arena. Like they're calling it, I don't know what they're calling it, but we're calling it standard Ar- Arena Modern. Standard Plus. Yeah, like Arena Modern, right? Yes. That doesn't replace Legacy. Like, no, there's no Legacy player who's like, oh, Arena Modern. But I am seeing a lot of modern players who are like, oh, okay, there's going to be Arena Modern now. Because it's just like another extended for them, right? So they should be comfortable there. So I'm wondering if that void, if if maybe Modern loses a, a much larger percentage of his players than Legacy in light of like, you know, to the two years from now uh, landscape. Because, you know, Modern has some serious issues. Like I think that anybody who's being honest with themselves has to admit that format has some serious variance issues. It's it doesn't have the safeguards necessary to like. I, I don't want to say that that no one can enjoy it long term. A lot I think a lot of people enjoy playing certain decks in modern, but as far as like actually loving all of the format, I think it's just going to be one problem after another until it's not a format anymore. Well, I think modern players are a hell of a lot closer to standard than legacy players, obviously. Right. And modern has no card that sort of saves the format like Force of Will does for legacy. Imagine imagine legacy with no Force of Will. Or Wasteland, or even him to Turok. Like, there's so many cards that are pillars of our format that, that sort of, you know, play these roles where all they have is Thoughtseize, really. Sure. But I, I would... I would argue that the more sort of confounding issue for Modern is that the matchups in Modern are much more polarizing than they are in any other format. Yes. Where you you can just sit down from a matchup that you actually have less than a 25% chance of winning, and that's how it goes sometimes. Yeah, so I do think that there's a chance that maybe we retain our equity in terms of the event distribution only because Modern falls off more. And if Legacy prices continue to drop, 
then maybe those legacy players, those modern players get into legacy. Yeah, there's definitely a chance that some of them do. Like maybe 75% of them go towards arena modern and 25% of them go towards legacy. It's possible. Yep. Now, it, I do have to say this. There, there are going to be people who play all of it, right? Like I've been playing arena and I've been having fun. And it's not the same depth in strategy as casting Brainstorm or playing a match of Legacy and understanding how the sideboard plans swap up. But, man, casting dinosaurs and attacking, it's still magic. And I I don't have any shame in saying I've enjoyed playing Arena. Yeah, dude, so just so we're clear, I, lo- I love playing Limited. Like, I'm not against that kind of magic or something. But... What we talked about on the cast that's not going to be released, I guess, is uh, one point that I made that I, I think is worth reiterating now is that I don't play video games. I never, when I was a kid, I played video games, right? But I've never been able to play them as an adult. And that's sort of the problem I, I have with Arena, too, is that you don't own your collection and you're never actually winning anything other than, you know, more things to play Arena with and more free games of Arena. So there's something about playing a game like that, like like Hearthstone or like any other game, where I I have this like nagging in my head like you're wasting your time, you need to go to work or you need to go to the gym or something. Whereas if I'm playing on Magic Online, because there's like that small amount of money on the line, like you 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 sink like twelve dollars into a league and you can win, you know, your money back. It's just enough to like scratch that itch for me, where I feel like. A, that 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 thing is silence. It's enough like gambling that um I'm able to play it uh without having that like you're wasting your time playing a video game feeling. Yeah, I just I I have that feeling for a lot. I feel like everybody just wastes their time and that's fine. Yeah, and and like obviously I I'm definitely in the minority with that feeling because a lot of people are enjoying arena right now and Magic Online is clearly a huge waste of time, too, and not a good thing to be doing. But I, I do enjoy it, and I'm able to play it without feeling like I'm completely wasting my time because I uh, degenerate gambling. All right. So do we have anything else this week? Not that I wanted to talk about. I have my I have my Bitter Blossom that I'm looking at the picture for right now. So I'm happy. I'm happy with how things ended. I wanted to shout out our boy Keith Rong, who's one of the... Qualified for the Pro Tour again. Yep, exactly. And one of the original fans of our podcast, like probably the first person who ever sent me a message after episode one. And last week he sent me a message like, oh shit, dude, I just listened to your cast. You're right. I need to get out of Moto. And he got out at almost 95 cents a ticket. So I feel like I was able to untie someone from the train tracks this week. Andy qualified for the Pro Tour again. Which is fucking sick. Keith is Keith is like an amazing player. For anybody who doesn't know him, anybody in the Boston area knows him. But anybody who's outside of the Boston area, he's like a local end boss. He uh, definitely kicked my ass a few times in 1994-2014 when I came back to the game. He was uh, one of the players who was kicking my ass in Legacy. (laughs) That list is long. (laughs) 
it's like it's like Santa's naughty list. Bro, it's it's really not. I I feel like uh, I didn't play enough paper till Game Center moved into town. Which, by the way, we don't shout out Game Center enough on this cast either. Yeah, Michelle has a great story. We love Michelle. We love Game Center. So. One other thing that I wanted to say about like the future of Legacy like two years from now or whatever. And from playing old school over the past year, it's been a full year since I started playing old school. I feel like I've truly stared into the abyss. Like I know what it's like to get no support from Wizards and still play a format with your friends at a bar for no prizes and enjoy it and be comfortable owning those cards. And... That's where I am now with my legacy decks, with my legacy collection. Like, I'm not afraid of, you know, the price is cratering or something on on legacy cards, on, you know, Volcanic Island or something. I don't think that you should sell your duels. I said I'm not afraid anymore! <laughs> Do you hear me? I'm not afraid anymore! We do. We've got a lot of Home Alone references. I don't know if you caught that one we got today. Was there a Wet Bandits reference today? Yeah, somebody in the Discord was like, uh, keep the change, you filthy... Oh, no, somebody on Facebook made a donation. They didn't know if the raffle had ended, and they were like, keep the change, you filthy animal. Yeah, we've we've had we've had a Marv reference. We've talked about the Wet Bandits. We had a talk in the Discord about sharing a car with John Candy's polka band. Somebody asked who uh, leaving a legacy would be in the context of the dead format or in the context of Home Alone. And uh, we agreed that Jerry was John Candy on the polka band bus. Who would who would we be? We're Harry and Marv, bro. We're Harry and Marv. I walked okay. into that one. I'm, I'm fucking Danny DeVito or whatever his name is. Joe Pesci. The same difference. Yeah. Close. Close. Where can people find you on Twitter? At T Smiley MTG. And you can find the cast at Dead Format Cast. And actually, the cast just recently got more Twitter followers than me. And I'm like. Bro, but you are the cast. The, no, that's the, not true. The Twitter that's, of the cast. That's literally. I am. I, but it doesn't matter. It's that now more people follow the cast. And you're telling people that I'm different people on Magic Online. Nobody knows who I am. <laughs> I'm sure the cast has more followers than me, too. All right, where can people get in touch with you to tell you that they will definitely vote for us in the MTG Content Creators Awards that we were recently nominated for? At Ian18125 on Twitter. And you can email the cast, deadformatcast at gmail.com. And you can also hit me up on our Discord. Yeah, we have a Discord for our Patreons. Wait, did we shout out Adam Wallace last week? Yeah, we shout out Adam Wallace every fucking week. Fuck that kid. No, but he fucking, he, he finished 6-2 with the mocks. He signed up for our fucking Patreon. He signed up for we our Patreon? Him... Yeah. All right, never mind. I'm sorry, Adam. <laughs> if we didn't say it last week i did uh, I thank did, you i did say nice six and two he definitely signed up last week so if we did not give him a shout out congratulations and thank you he can now join our discord where literally a bunch of people just dump on me 
Bro, I, I feel like I, I answer just about every question that's asked in the Discord, like, of, like, of me about decks and stuff. I feel like I've been, like, a 9 out of 10 in terms of responsiveness in our Discord. Oh, you definitely have. I just want to pat my back for a second. Yes, congratu- congratulations. When you get tagged in a message, you have been responding. It's, it's actually a good app. Like, I didn't realize Discord was actually, like, a good desktop app, like, to have going at work, like... It can you can mute it easily, you can uh, squelch it easily, and and just like come back to it when you have time. Yeah. Anyway, if you if you want to see people posting pictures of me getting beaten by Risk Factor, they're there, and uh, yeah, you can check it out.